0: Hey there. Welcome to the show. Yep. You got it. This is simply real estate and it's being recorded here at the simple podcast. And you know, it's great having this studio. And as we continue to evolve, the simple podcast studio is going to become a bigger and bigger part of everything that we do. So, you know, make sure you tune in because we're going to keep you up to date on what's going on. I'm just going to say in the world, and we're going to continue on of course with real estate, but there's a lot of things that kind of get under my skin and You know what, I'm going to try to evolve and start talking more and more about things that are going on, and you'll be able to catch it all here at The Simple Podcast, and I think it's going to be really important. But um, let's talk about real estate, because there's a lot going on in the world of real estate. Uh, Just to give you an update, uh, coming in shortly into the studio with me, I've got Serena Holmes. And Serena's a professional realtor, also a real estate investor, um, also a CEO of a brand kind of marketing company. And uh, so it's going to be great to have her join me, first time in the studio here. And we've got lots to talk about, so you don't want to miss out. Just going to have, uh, you know, we're just going to have a good chat as we always do. And, uh, but I got to tell you, you know, here's, here's a couple of things and, you know, I'll get my rant off my chest as you know, I, I sometimes get a little carried away with this one, but my real estate rant for the week would be returns, you know, returns are one of these things that people are sitting there saying, you know, if I invest in this If I invest in this read, or I'm going to invest in this, you know, development company, I can get this percentage. And, you know, you take a look at some of these, you know, performers or commitments. And, you know, I think they use them for toilet paper later. And that's one of the things that, you know, we've got to take a look at what numbers truly, truly mean. And, you know, we've got these variable rates of returns where between this number and this number, I mean, you know, when people sit there and say, you know, between four and 10%, what is it? I mean, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, it's like rolling dice, you know, you should have a dice that only has, you know, up to, uh, you know, four and all the way up to 10, you roll it and go, is that my return this month or this year? So again, a lot of these things, and I know, uh, you know, I'm not trying to offset people, but there's different companies out there. They make different commitments. Um, but there's always that disclosure. And that's where you got to read right into the the contract. It's you know, could be, maybe projected of this, and you know, the fine, fine print on the back page says this number. And you know, these are the kind of things that when we talk about investment, especially when we talk about real estate investment, these developers, these REITs, all these different companies, you know, I agree in brick and mortar real estate. You know that about me. I will sit there and till I'm blue in the face, talk about what a great investment I believe it is. Now, that said, there are people in the industry who they start raising money. You know, all of a sudden you have these words, joint ventures, LPs, and it seems like it's the flavor of the year right now, is that all these would-be investors are creating these numbers and they all make these promises that they can't keep. And we've seen some downfall of some major players. And I'm sorry for those of you out there in the world of investment that got taken in by a couple of companies. Um, I can't mention their names because I'm pretty sure the litigation is still going on with these companies, but you know, people lost their TFSAs, their RSPs, things like that. And my, my gut is always, if you can't see it, you can't touch it, you may not want to invest in it. And I know there's some developers there that gonna get a little upset with me, but the truth be told is that there are inexperienced investors that are counting on a certain thing. And I think unless it's tangible real estate that you can touch and feel that not necessarily, is it going to be the best investment? Yeah, you can promise all these rates of returns. I mean, I've seen people sitting there saying they're going to promise a 25% return on their money, but you need the money for the next 15 years, you know, like, like like some of the things that are being committed to are just unbelievable. So again, my advice out there is if he can touch it, you can feel it, you can see it. And if it's an investment property, you can see people living in it, then that gives you tangible asset that you know exists. So you're not guessing. And, you know, taking the guesswork out of real estate uh, is one of the things that we try to do here. But more importantly, I think it's one of those things that you need to do. You know do your due diligence make sure you're comfortable with it you know uh don't just do everything on the line okay that's the one thing it's like you know i invite people here to our to our uh, head office at the simple company all the time come on down you know here we'll make you a coffee we'll take you for a tour we'll show you the brick and mortar of the place but the truth is is that there are people and there's lots of things out there that people are just saying hey look at you know what i'm going to pretend i'm a real estate investor um what warrants a real estate investor how long you been doing it how what's your success rate how many properties have you done You know, how many assets do you do? I mean, there are some big players out there that by all means, I think they're great, fabulous, I'll endorse them all day long, but there's also a lot of people that should not be going down this avenue. And it was amazing because I'll tell you, COVID was one of those things that got everybody into being real estate professionals well you know like they sat at home in with their their slippers and their house coats on and drinking their coffee and became real estate you know investors by looking at a computer which again doesn't give you experience you know experience is you know actually doing it yourself you know touching feeling knowing what's going on understand construction understand you know the ltb here in ontario or whatever province or state that you're dealing with these are the kind of things i think that everybody should at least have a knowledge of, or at least partner with the people that do. And so I think it's very important. So watch out for some of these disclaimers, you know, math is easy. It really is. And it's actually simple. So when you take a look at the numbers, do they make sense? You know, are they making a commitment? You know, if it's not signed on the dotted line that this is what they're committing to and there's a variance, chances are, if somebody says, we're going to give you a return between six and 9% chances are it's six or below okay and these are the kind of things i want everybody to be made aware of because you don't want to count on something that's never going to happen you know and that's really important for you uh when you're talking about investing um especially if it's your hard-earned money you know tfsa's TFSAs, rsps things like that you know or even cash these are the kind of things that you yourself you worked hard for it you don't want to lose it so i think it's really important so you know read reading the five print i think it's important um so a lot going on in the world of real estate, as I mentioned, you know, have you heard about the bidding wars? Yeah, they're back. And I know a lot of people are kind of looking at me saying, yeah, Todd, you're just trying to pump up the market. Actually I'm not. It's people reaching out to me saying, you won't believe it. You know, we went to an open house and there was 15 offers on the the, the house that day. And it's like 15 houses out of an open house. There are bully offers that are actually coming in. And so there's a select area of real estate that's starting to pick up. We also hear about the condominium market. And as I've always said, most markets are generated from the bottom up, meaning first time home buyers then generate first time home sellers. And that has your move up buyer. So then you can see the succession of real estate moving forward. So again, I don't think the $4 million houses are going to be flying off the shelves right now. It's too early. But you know what? Maybe in 12 months, we're going to start seeing more of that market. Right now, we see the stuff that we can talk about the condominiums, the townhomes, the semi-detached, the stuff that, you know, is a little bit south of a million dollars probably. And right now, as we take a look at the Bank of Canada and the rates that, you know, they're contemplating. So Bank of Canada sits there and says, okay, we're putting our hands in our pocket for now. We're not touching the interest rates. Um, you know, we got to wait and see if we've done enough damage to the economy. You know, we got to throw you into a recession, make you hurt a little bit more. And that's just their their attitude. And that's fine. They want to sit there and say that they controlled inflation and, you know, kudos to you, pat yourself on the back, let's move on. Let's get these interest rates down a little because, you know what, you are making people suffer that don't deserve to suffer. Now, on top of that, then you take a look at the U.S. Fed. First time you really heard the narrative of them saying, it looks like we're going to have to pause for a while. And normally when it comes down to a pause, they normally don't do a pause and go back up. They're going to wait and see the damage they've created because right now there's some of these u.s banks that are starting to fail even more so you hear it in the ether you can see there's a number of them that are just kind of teetering so we'll wait and see that's going to be one of the ones to watch so why the uptick in real estate then? you know why would the market actually start to take off well not many people can just sit around on the fence forever you know there are people that are saying they're saying okay the worst is over interest rates could potentially come down. And by the way, I actually saw one that, uh, you know, it's a B lender, which there's nothing wrong with B lenders, uh, five year fixed rate, 4.39. Um, you know what, these are out there, uh, you can start searching around, but you know what, there are some lower interest rates coming through. So I think the big lenders are going to start saying, look it, we're missing out. There's not a lot of activity. So we better grab as much of the market as we can. How are they going to do it well i'm going to encourage them all to finally take a crowbar to their wallet and drop that interest rate you can do it because when you're working with fixed interest rates they have the ability of discounting that rate remember that banks have the ability of discounting rates they just don't have to come out and say this is it installed if you ever turn around and you've got an interest rate that your bank's hitting you for renewal negotiate okay don't think that you don't have some power in this because there's another lender that's going to want your business. And if they do, they're going to give you a better rate than your existing bank is is happening. Now, the only problem with that is that of course, you're going to face the stress test. Remember that stupid thing that they put into place back in 2018? Well, the problem is, is when you shift lenders, is that you have to qualify all over again. So if you can't make it through your stress test, and this is one of the things you're gonna to have to do your own self check on it. Before you tell your flip off your existing lender, make sure you do your own check, okay? Make sure you know you can qualify with somebody else before you sit there and say no. Again, you're kind of being put over a barrel with some of these situations. And yeah, the stress test, you know what? I think we need to reach out to the government and say enough's enough, especially when it comes down to existing mortgages in place. We should not have to turn around. If you've been able to pay your mortgage for the last five years, why should you go through a stress test just to move lenders? Why are they tying you to that lender? And those are the kind of things that you know what I think if we talk to politicians, they want to work on affordability, they want to work on a fair marketplace, then these are the kind of things. Don't give us that BS kind of you know commitment I'm gonna build you on 1.5 million homes in 10 years. How about work with the people in place? You know, make it a little bit easier you know drop some of these mandates like i said i'm not asking for you to turn around and drop the stress test on the new buyer i think it's not a bad thing but i think the existing people that are coming up for renewal let them be competitive let them go find you know another lender if that's what they want to do because we should have the right to be able to switch lenders why do you get stuck with one lender and again look at i'm not going to tell you what bank to use because quite frankly there's a bunch of great banks and there's a bunch that i wouldn't even go near so those i'm not going to tell you about but ultimately in the end i think that we should have the right to decide what we mm-hmm. want to do um if uh, if you're not following me on instagram um go to the simple investor one and uh, i gotta tell you we've been uh, having some great new posts coming out my my team are doing a great job and uh, so lots to learn obviously at uh at our Instagram post and on top of that if you uh if you want to know more about investment real estate and see our latest release we do have a special that's happening right now go to the simpleinvestor.com and you'll find out lots um so other than that coming up after the break as I mentioned I've got Serena Holmes joining me so stay with us we'll be right back after this and welcome back. um as I mentioned just before the break, I have a special guest joining me here in studio today. um so I've got Serena Holmes with me and just so you know, Serena is a realtor. She's also a real estate investor. She's also a previous CEO um you know, great great experience. and I thought I'd have her join me because we're gonna have kind of a I'm going to call it a mishmash of conversation because she's got a lot of uh, depth and knowledge in all sorts of aspects when we talk about real estate. So Serena, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. So before we get started, maybe you can uh, let our listeners know a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I ran my own brand experience agency called Tigris Events for 18 years, and I just sold that to another agency last February. And along the way, I started investing in real estate through the motivation and encouragement of a coach that I had back in, I guess, 2013. Who told me you know you don't need this much money sitting in your company and at the time you don't know what you don't know so i always wanted to be able to cover expenses and um, you know she goes to most companies operate on three months i had a year and a half to two years worth so i finally uh, took some money out of the business to invest with and you know it just snowballed from there and then obviously during covid events couldn't operate anymore so a few months into our first lockdown i signed up to get my real estate license so everything's kind of a uh, continued along that path since then
0: yeah excellent you know you you touched on something right out of the gate there you talked about coaching and and how you did involve the coach tell tell me about those kind of experiences
1: yeah so when I uh, started working at the company I was actually a brand ambassador part-time and I was offered management and then six months later I was offered partnership and actually kept turning it down because I went to school for journalism and I was like I'm gonna be you know on TV And I had a really close opportunity with AM640 and it didn't pan out. So I was like, maybe this is a sign. And I took partnership and we started booking some really big events after that. But the woman who founded the company left four years in. So, you know, we had built up good relationships. I continued along, bought her out. And about eight years in, I was like, you know what? I've been doing okay, but I've been winging it. So I'm sure there's so much that I don't know. And I started interviewing coaches just to see if I could learn from some of them and, you know, Found one that I worked with for about six months and from there it led into mentorship programs and, you know, all, all together I probably had four or five in total, um, but they really revolutionized my business, like helped me to understand metrics, how to quote things properly, how to look at my finances and branding and, you know, build my team and focus on sales and digital marketing and, you know, all the things that as a business owner you are very isolated and there's a lot that you don't necessarily know. So it helped me to just see things from a different perspective.
0: No, you know, I think, I think that's some, um, some really good points because when we talk about coaching and, and, you know, you and I can kind of foray this into investment real estate, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there, you know, friends and family, they talk around the water cooler at work, you know, oh yeah, you got to buy real estate, you got to invest in real estate, but I'm going to tell you that, you know, and, and, and you can look at coaching two ways. You know, there are there are coaching programs out there that it's really, and, and we all know, and I'm not going to say any names, they can be money grabs, but then there's some really good, sincere, solid coaching mm-hmm. that can be had. Um, yeah. So, you know, when when we talk about real estate investors, you know, when we talk about coaching, there's a lot that people can learn.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many different streams of real estate. And in fact, we started staffing events for a real estate education company. And at that time, I'd sold my first rental property and I just didn't know what to do next. It was like paralysis analysis, right? I was like, what do I do? Held on to the money for, at that point it was, well, partially I was also waiting for the dollar to go back up, I was folding onto it for a bit, but I was trying to decide what to do next, came across this company that we were staffing events for, went through their program and it was expensive, but I was ready to take action. So I had money available. I knew that I was going to get started and I needed support and education. Um, I think for people that don't necessarily have the resources to get started, they could be wasting that money and find themselves into the bad debt that you want to stay away from. But in my instance, like I, I had money, I was ready to go. I just had to, you know, find the right opportunities. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Look at you know, and and, and that's one of the things that we see all the time is that, you know, people have the right idea, but not necessarily do, you know, do they have the funds or the means to do it On, on top of that, you know, it, it's good to go and get the education but as you mentioned education can be expensive and if that's going to you know basically reduce your funds to the point where you can't be a real estate investor mm-hmm. that makes it kind of tough right it's like <laughs> hey i've got this great education i can't do anything now right yeah. um you know it's cart and horse and and, yeah. and that's how you have to look at these programs so i think one of the things that you know our listeners should be aware of really analyze before you make such a big commitment because there's a lot of people that make this commitment and then afterwards they regret it
1: so I should be clear that I didn't sign on the spot because I was like I'm not gonna just you know work take the word of a highly commissioned consultant and do that so what I did was I went back and I looked for people that indicated they were members of this company and I found a woman that happened to be the mother-in-law of one of my staff so I felt like there was this indirect connection and I could trust her so when she joined them in 2012 she had nine doors in 2017 she was up to 54 doors okay. now she has her own capital company she's in land development she has hundreds of doors yeah. and she's probably their biggest advocate but she gave me that little push be like yes this is if you're ready to take action you'll make the money back probably in the first few months and i did yeah. so i made that that membership cost i've made hundreds of thousands of dollars if not over a million since. right um you know it saved me during covid like i had 18 streams of passive income that i could depend on when my company couldn't operate anymore right. and had i not done all of that, COVID could have been a very different experience. Yeah,
0: And, and you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that, um, you know, here at the show we've been talking about for years is the idea of having some kind of security. And that's a big part of it, right? So, you know, you, t- you sharing your story with us is important because you had security going through a really tough time, you know, and a lot of people experience what you did.
1: Yeah. I mean, nobody expected that to happen, no. <laughs> you know, obviously. And I think it's just you know, aside from the education, it's also the relationships and the networking. Because when I mentioned how I was educating myself to a friend, she's like, you know, you should speak to a mortgage broker I'm connected with. You know, I do all this private lending. And in fact, I make more money doing that than I do for my business. So I started slowly with him. And then it kind of accelerated. And then last year, I was like, you know, I could do be I could be doing a lot more. And I reached out to the community. And I just started to network. And then from there, I was able to diversify to the point that I tripled my income last year compared to the highest year I've ever earned from my business. So, and I was not even, I don't want to say not working, but, you know, you fill up the paperwork out and then you just wait for payday. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it was amazing. So it gave me that time with my daughter and it gave me time to focus on other things that I wouldn't have otherwise had. So I'm I'm very, very grateful for that, but it, it came with the education, the action and all those relationships.
0: Yeah. So um, let's, let's move forward to you being a realtor. And so you, you got licensed during the COVID time mm-hmm. and now that, uh, now that things are, you know, we went through that dip and, and it's one of those ones that, you know, I, I've been, yes, I'm going to date myself here, licensed 30 years. Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen ups and downs, not quite the same as what happened with COVID, but, you know, it's interesting. Now you're starting to see, I think, the rejuvenation of a market. We're starting to see people stick their heads up very little inventory out there and it's amazing because bidding wars are back and I know people are sitting there saying you know my house went down Uh, yeah I'm watching the numbers and the stats Mm -hmm. and you know there's there's detached homes that are taking 10 15 offers even out in the burbs you know out out here in Burlington uh we're we're, we're seeing it are you are you starting to feel that in the market
1: I'm definitely seeing it. Um, just for example, I had a listing and when we started, the, the sellers really wanted a, a goal of 1.5 million and the comps were less than 1.2 at that time. And I was like, you know, I don't th- I don't know if this is achievable. It may just take a little bit of time. But over the span of three months, we basically got to what they were looking for um, and they were very fixed on last year's kind of seller's mindset because last year they thought, oh, I can get this. Yep. But it, it happened very, very quickly. Like everything kind of went down. But because again, there's that lack of supply, things started to steer back up that went from like one 1-3 three to one three seven five to one four four to, you know, we're basically at less price, right? And now on the buyer side, I have a client that's looking and I'm seeing, you know, in some instances like 10 and 12 offers on, you know, small townhouses and stuff like that. So it's it's very much like heating up quickly.
0: Yeah. And and for a long of our listener's sake, um one of one of the things that I've been able to experience over the years is most markets come from the bottom up so it's your first time home buyers getting into the market then that forces your first time home sellers out to do the next move up you know it's that condominium or town home to that you know semi-detached detached garage double car garage you know white picket fence those kind of things um and we're starting to see that right now you know uh rumblings in the condominium market that we're starting to see some you know decent prices acceleration
1: yeah i'm definitely seeing that um i would say on average things are maybe not as hot like when i started at the beginning of last year i was involved in multiple offers that were you get 30 35 like things were selling four and five hundred thousand dollars over asking so it's not quite as significant as that but i would say more recently i'm seeing between two and ten or two to twelve and things are selling on average like a hundred thousand over list and it's i don't know if that means like they're they've intentionally listed low uh compared to the comp so i am seeing that things are now selling that little bit higher than they were like three months ago
0: yeah Excellent. Well, listen, Serena, stay put. We're going to go to a quick break folks. When we come back, I've got more with Serena Holmes. And if you're not following me on Instagram yet, make sure you do the simple investor one, I'm just going to throw out one of our posts just hit over 2 million views. So I just want to thank everybody for clicking the button. Anyways, we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in my guest right now in the studio, I've got Serena Holmes with me and just so you know, Serena is a licensed realtor, but she's also got a great depth of knowledge from business, Um, uh, big brand ambassador as well, uh real estate investor. Uh, Serena, we were just talking before the break, you know, about the, the market, how we're starting to see some traction. We're starting to see prices, but you did touch on something that, you know, when you came into the market, you came into kind of a hot market. You know, and, and when, when we talk about, you know, people in real estate, there's the ebb and flow. And I think, I think everybody's really shocked. So, you know, anybody that came into the market and let's say in 21, you know, yeah, everything was on fire and then basically, you know, all you heard was crickets, June 22, you know, it was one of those things. Now we're starting to see the, the upturn of the market again. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying it's gonna be as hot as February 22, but. We are is definitely seeing some traction.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, when I came out, like I was saying the multiple offers were everywhere. And in some instances, you'd be showing a property, say on a Thursday night, offer presentations the following Monday, and it's sold while you're at the show. And you feel really bad for your buyers. You're like, oh, an offer just registered. Oh, one, two, three. And then you're barely out of the house and it's sold already. So I think it was very, very challenging for buyers that we're seeing, you know, 30, 40, 50 properties. And a lot of times things are selling preemptively. So it just eliminated those opportunities for them. And if they weren't able to move that quickly.
0: Yeah. That bully bit. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny because there's been a lot of, a lot of talk in the government and you know, that's a bad word to me, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's been a lot of talk about, uh, about bully bids and, and how things need to be done and, you know, disclosing multiple offers. And so you, you've, you've worn your hat as a listing agent, you've worn your hat as a buyer agent, which one do you prefer?
1: I definitely prefer being a listing agent, uh, just in the sense of time. Like you, I, I've had clients that are very consuming, but at least you're just talking on the phone. You don't have to physically go see them all the time. Right. So obviously with buyers, you have to be there with them. Yeah. take <laughs> so them to just, the
0: properties. Yep. Yeah,
1: yeah, so I mean, if I could choose, like I'd be at home for bedtime with my three-year-old not showing properties. So I think in that sense, um, I do like that, but I think sellers can be a little bit more challenging in the sense that they've got high expectations sometimes on price, what they expect you to cover, you know my first listing actually lost a lot of money because the seller kept on asking me to cover expenses and at the time i didn't know how to protect myself and have a schedule a to indicate that if they chose not to sell or didn't sell right. they would cover those costs and in fact i listed with another agent to try to make sure i covered everything appropriately and she never mentioned it yeah so i lost uh, seven thousand dollars so i covered staging i covered storage i covered cleaning like cleaning that should have been 200 became 1200 because she had them doing things that had nothing to do with cleaning, like (laughs) taking her oven door apart or installing a door and and things like that. So it was a learning experience. And I took that to my next listing where I actually covered 15000 in Mm rentals for a a senior couple that, you know, their home was pretty distressed and it needed a lot of work. But we did the Schedule A and as those costs continued to inflate, we would keep signing off on the additional costs. And, you know, obviously I recovered that money, but I kind of learned the hard way the the first time. But it was just surprising. And, and I think at the end of the day, it was just surprising to see how little access sometimes people had to a safety net or cash flow. Okay. In a lot of instances, people had mortgages that were double what they paid for their houses. And there was no way that they could actually afford to bring it to market on their own. So, I mean, obviously I had retained earnings in my business to help them, um, but it was I was just surprised by some of those circumstances.
0: Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because when when you talk about staging and things like that, um my my first year, well, first 10 months in the business, I worked for 29 first time homebuyers and I put a hundred thousand kilometers on my van. Uh, I bought a van, had my name on it and I drove everybody around. And what I didn't realize was that they also expected me to pick them up at home oh dear You're right so <laughs> so there'd be somebody saying i want to move to mississauga but i live in pickering and well i'll meet you there no i don't have i don't have access to a car can you come and get me uh, and all yeah. of a sudden so just like you said you know you learn from these experiences well,
1: i feel you because i'm in pickering my first Few clients were in Mississauga, <laughs> so wow. I get it. <laughs>
0: it's like so. All of a sudden, you look at it and say, "Gee, cost of business. This isn't going so well." So yeah, yeah. But you know what? It, it, it's important. I think for you know, we do have a lot of um, agents that tune in, and and you know, I think that for them, um, if if they're new to the business, these are great examples like what hmm. you just gave because a lot the expectation nowadays is is pretty incredible. It's it, it seems like if you don't come with that staging package, if you don't have this team of you know events ready to go if you took you know if you don't have the drone uh pictures ready you know this 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 i mean it's hard to get the listing
1: yeah absolutely and i found that as well as that there's a lot of competition and you know how does a new realtor stack up against someone that can say they've got thousands of sales or they've got so much more money and um you know maybe they even have their own staging business or something like that right so i can see why a lot of people do join teams in the beginning because you know, hits, I don't want to say it's done for you because you could still be door knocking, prospecting and stuff like that. But if their marketing is so robust that you're not working that hard, you're just servicing the clients. I can see why that's attractive. In my case, I couldn't, I wasn't ready to give up that time. Um, So there wasn't really any team that would take me on like 30 hours a week, Uh, you know, but I had a daughter that was fairly young and I just wasn't willing to work on someone else's timeline. So I was willing to kind of just, go through it on my own in the beginning yeah
0: listen that's 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 part of the the business of real estate is that you do control your own time and by doing so you'll control your own success as well mm-hmm. right because it is it is to be honest it's one of those businesses that i always tell people the harder you work the luckier you get and 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 it's it's true to a point where you can turn around and go down you know like, you can't do it super part-time but it still has the ability of, of you know giving people a good profession yeah. um let's uh let's talk about interest rates okay because this is one of the things. so as a real estate investor of course yeah it's something you're going to be very mindful of um you know they've, they've changed you know cap rates and everything else so when we go out to borrow money they're giving less and less and less that i can tell you so when you go buy, and 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 i'll give you an example so right now you know if i'm looking at a building and let's say the building's probably about 25 million you know they put put a new cap rate on for a 25 million dollar purchase today Right now, would be lucky for the lenders to give $10 million. So the amount of money that people have to put down now, and this is, folks, this is the multi-res, this is, you know, apartment buildings, townhouse complexes, things like that. It's getting really, it, it's tough right now. And this, so we're not seeing s- the same amount of activity in, in the multi-res market as we do, let's say, the residential market. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's challenging. And because I am in a couple of pretty big investors' communities, I've, you know, felt their pain and some of the things that they're going through. But I think that's where other people's money can, in some instances, play into it. A lot of the investors I know are starting MFTs. So they're able to offer these opportunities for people that want to invest in real estate, but they don't have the time. So they can use their RSPs, they can use their TFSAs, they can put cash in. So it kind of, you know, it's mutually agreeable for them in the sense that these investors can go and achieve the goals that they want, but then they're also giving opportunities for the people that don't have the know-how or don't have the time. Um, So I think if you can't get traditional financing, there are other options. Maybe you're paying ten or twelve or thirteen percent. Um, there is a mortgage broker I work with as a lender, and they'll do first position mortgages from investors in that range, yeah. but it it solves the goals that they need. If the numbers work, the numbers work
0: well, that's the tough thing. So you know, we do a lot of analysis of buildings here, and I can tell you that the numbers don't work. um. And a lot has to do obviously with tenants in place. So if you're buying a building with tenants in place and they've got old rents. Yeah. And you know, before, you know, before the interest rate increase, the attrition um was a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We, we we saw more people moving out now that with rents as high as they've gone people will stay put a yeah. lot longer. You know, yeah. they're paying $900 a month for $1,400 a month, whatever it is, but they know the move up is double. So they're staying put. Yeah. You know, so this is this is one of the things. So a lot of a lot of value was set on attrition.
1: Yeah, I know investors that have offered, you know, they might start at $5,000 to ask them to move out. They can go up to like 15,000. I think one even was offered like 100,000. So I mean, say for example, they bought a 36 unit building and their goal is to move 90% of those, renovate the, the units, and then obviously force appreciation, bring the rents up. Yeah. So I think they bank on the fact that some people won't go. But I mean, in this instance, they were already at 27 of 36 units in the span of like a year. So they're moving ahead of schedule. Um, So it could just depend on the market and, you know, what are the options that could be out there for people.
0: Yeah. We have to be careful about the term rent eviction. Yeah. <laughs> that one, that one doesn't go over too well right no, now, no, yeah. no, 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 people, by the way, if you, if, and, and, and this is just for your own edification out there, um, if you want to pull the stunt of rent eviction, just so you know, the LTB's getting a little bit harsh, Um, you know, fines are in the six digits for some of these. So you, you gotta be mindful of what you're doing mm-hmm. if you're going to become a landlord with the idea that you're going to, uh, you're going to have people move out. Um, Serena, do you feel like staying put in for one more segment? I'd love to have you stay on with me, uh, folks. So I've got Serena Holmes here with me. Uh, she is a real estate investor, a real estate agent, uh, as well as I, I I'm going to call her, you know, an all around business person, you know, great experience. And when we come back, we'll have more. And by the way, if you're not following me on Instagram, you know how the simple investor one, and we'll be right back after this. Hey, and welcome back. If you're just tuning in, this is the simple podcast and this show is called simply real estate. Um, so just so you know, my guest in the studio so far, uh, today has been Serena Holmes and it's great to have Serena join me. She is a licensed realtor as well as a real estate investor. And, um, you know, Serena, it's been great having you on a lot of, a lot of things have been going on, obviously with the interest rate increase, but now the bank of Canada has said. We don't think we can push it any farther and it just seems like it's kind of lifted you know the veil in real estate
1: yeah i mean the irony is and i would look maybe i would assume a little bit younger than you but when i bought my first house you're 15, a lot younger than me a little okay. <laughs> when i bought my first home 15 years ago the rates were around what they are right now and i ended up going to a fixed mortgage and i broke it by the end of that year because everything dropped to like two percent yeah. and then they stayed that way for obviously 14-ish years so I think the big difference though, is that their real estate is so much higher now. So obviously six or 7% on something worth a million is very different than something worth two to 300,000. So if their goal was, you know, inflation and things like that, or just paying off their serve, who knows what their goal was. I think they have to be realistic of what people can actually afford. And I think if they continue to push it up there, people will start to lose their homes.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, during COVID, um, the bank actually had a little bit of a pressure valve. So what they would do is they would allow people to delay a payment, mm-hmm. okay? And so, you know, what would happen is you could do, all they'll do is just add it to the end. So if you had a five-year term mortgage, they'll just throw it instead of 60 months, they're going to call it 62, but you can skip two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a skip program and most of the banks actually have it. It's it, By the way, folks, it's probably on page 57 or 58 of your documents. <laughs> you got a dick for this one, okay? But they did use it, and people did utilize it yeah. right because they were concerned about you know people losing their jobs, losing their homes. Yeah, um, I don't see why they don't you know bring that out just in, in case people are kind of at their max. And we know the bank of Canada is not gonna start, you know going down as far as you know our, our variable rate. But some of the lenders, I don't know if you've been following it, but some of the B lenders, they're starting to throw out some interesting numbers, like 4.39 fixed for five years. You know, we're waiting, I'm waiting. We're going to start some of the bigger players I think are going to jump in because they've got no market share.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's very, very competitive. I, I'm connected with a lot of mortgage brokers. It feels like, you know, you get a real estate license. Yeah. Everyone, you know, who got their mortgage <laughs> broker's license also reaches out. So I've got like a big Rolodex of them and they all have different approaches for things. Like even from an investor standpoint, like how do you use the equity in your home to invest with? But going back to interest rates, I think that, um, you know, it has to be something that is, affordable for people. I think that, um, I like lost my train of thought here. <laughs> I had a nugget. So what was it? Well, I'll let you continue while I try to think about it. Yeah.
0: Well, again, back to interest rates. Um, you know, the fact that right now, one of the best things I think people can do and, and folks, if you're up for renewal this year, uh, it means that you're c- coming out of an environment. If it was a five-year term out of, uh, 2018, you know, a lot of people that have bought in 2020, 2021, up until the beginning of 22, you're, you're in a great spot. You don't have to do anything if you are working with a fixed rate mortgage. And of course, variable was the one that a lot of people decide to surf because it was so low. It was virtually free money. Mm-hmm. And at this stage, you know, I'd say stay with them variable for call it the next 24 months. Let's see what the bank of Canada does. But I, am I always throw this out as a prediction and I would say that I think the bank of Canada is going to have to start pushing the rate down a little before the end of the year yeah i remember what i was going to say there we go
1: okay so what i was going to say was that you know there's been all this talk about inflation and the interest rates going up and just things being more expensive and i don't think that that necessarily would have happened at the trajectory that it did had covid not happened like i really believe that everyone's just playing catch-up because the whole world kind of went to sleep for two years there was all these breaks you know interest rates went down you know a lot of businesses couldn't operate Well, all these businesses want to recover maybe what they lost or they have loans to repay and things like that. So they started charging more and more and more. Like I even found that some of the services have almost doubled in cost. You know, food costs have gone up, gas prices have gone up. So obviously housing also went up. For whatever reason, everyone decided to move during the pandemic because maybe they didn't have to go into their offices. So there was this whole ripple effect. And I think now we just need to allow things to stabilize. I think the challenge is that companies i don't want to say they're greedy but maybe they've caught up and now they're kind of like well people are paying these things why would we bring the prices back down yeah right so i think when you look at the entire situation with the economy all of that needs to be considered and it will be interesting to see what happens from the bank of canada's perspective because the lack of supply will continue to drive housing prices up so even if inflation technically comes down i'm not really sure how that'll affect things when it comes to real estate, because there's just not enough homes.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm smiling at you as you say that because, you know, the idea of affordability, you know, is one of these, it, it, it's kind of like that funny bone, you know, it, it, you just, you can't understand when they talk about affordability, the chances of us ever making real estate affordable. And I'm sorry, I know we've got a lot of listeners out there that saying, yeah, we just need to crash the market by 30 or 40% to bring down the values, but it's not possible. You know, you got you know, with students, a million people coming into Canada this year, and the impossibility of any kind of commitment from any government to build you know uh, the six digits of, of of property, it's it's not going to happen. Yeah, and I think that everybody, if they can kind of get the grasp that the price point, you know, it can vary in any market by five, ten, maybe fifteen percent, but for those of you that were holding out hope that this thing's going to go by fifty percent. You know, we've already gone through a a worldwide pandemic that should have just absolutely crashed everything. And then everybody went, no, no, we're going to stay at home. Home is good, right? Everybody stayed home and realized how valuable a home is. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see how we're going to bring the prices down.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's simple economics with supply and demand, right? So I think, I guess, depending on the business where you work, that gives you flexibility where maybe you can move out to cottage country or something like that, right? But obviously some businesses have these, Ten-year leases or twenty-year leases, and I think it's just, um, you know, it'd be silly to think they're never going to expect people to come back. You know, I think there could be that hybrid work model that people it, talk about. They could, they could be yeah. fighting it. Yeah. You know, I have family members that have been at home still, and it's been now over three years. But you would think if they have these big commercial buildings or leases, that eventually they may start to require people to come back. So that could could change the dynamic for where people can live.
0: Yeah, you know, I I I never quite understood the. You know, for from a business perspective, how people want to operate from home all the time. I mean, you know, a lot of people did work with a hybrid program. You know, I think that getting one-on-one with people, I think it makes a huge difference. And I know a lot of people, you know, they moved out more affordable real estate because they could turn around and work from home. Um, I just don't know if it's sustainable. And businesses, you know, businesses have to also look at, you know, obviously progressing and moving forward. And You know, and and it's not just profit from the business perspective, it's also people themselves. So I don't know. So uh, last take uh, from you, what do you think the market's going to look like uh, at the end of the year?
1: I mean, the way that it's going, I see it probably jumping up uh, a little bit more, probably maybe not to where it was at the height of, you know, January of last year. But I think it's definitely on that trend that it'll continue to go up. I just don't see how it can come down. But I think what's scary to consider is when there's people just working one job like and you know as time passes it's just there's no way that your salary can ever catch up to the pace of where real estate is right like something that was maybe making 40,000 10 years ago maybe they're making 70,000 now so when you look at what housing prices were 10 years ago maybe it was like 250,000 it could be like 800,000 now so there's just no way to keep up with that pace and I think that's where people need to think about their financial futures and taking charge of something like investing you know what I mean like there's just really you have to have more than one stream of income and I think that's the only way you can protect yourself and not only ensure that you can survive but you can kind of create that generational wealth for your family like I just I think so many people need to be thinking about that
0: yeah and I love your term you just used, generational wealth it's one of those things that we're big believers here at Simple Investors so Um, Serena, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Um, If our listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get you?
1: Yeah, so like you, I've got an Instagram page. So Serena Holmes Realtor. And I also published a book called The Accidental Entrepreneur. So everything business and entrepreneurship is over at Serena Holmes Author.
0: Yeah, excellent. Well, listen, thank you so much for joining me today. And, uh, you know, that's a wrap, folks. It's amazing how quick an hour goes by here in studio, uh, especially when I have a great guest joining me. And uh, I do want to thank... Aiden and Omar—they keep it simple for me every single week. Thanks, guys, and of course Ian Grant at—I call it Head Office. I'm sure he's when I do that, but at Head Office, making sure that we stay in line as we're supposed to. But more importantly, I want to thank you for making us the number one real estate talk show here in Canada. And uh, you know, it's always a pleasure bringing the show. And remember, I'll be back next Sunday as usual at noon. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.